Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, February 17th. The worst part about a Grand Slam is how fast it flies by. That first week, you have so many matches. There are, what, 64 first-round matches both Monday and Tuesday, 32 the next two days. It's an embarrassment of riches, and we get spoiled by it. And now we're in the back half of a Grand Slam. We have three matches scheduled for Wednesday night, at least three singles matches. I feel like I'm being robbed. Now, thankfully, there are other matches going on throughout the tennis world, right? We have Challenger, ITF, Circuit events. We've got a WTA. 500 happening simultaneously to all of the action at the Australian Open, but still back half of the slam, we're all feeling the woes. Thankfully, we are still con- uh, continued to be treated by some phenomenal tennis in Australia. Last night's quarterfinals, obviously, the big news, Tsitsipas knocking off Nadal in five sets, Mukova coming back in whatever that match was with Barty to win in three fantastic tennis all across the board. Want to break down those four matches, preview tonight's three semi-final matches. Of course, the reason we are able to do that day in, day out, because of the incredible support we get from you listeners, from our friends at Patreon, and of course, from our friends over at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code CR15, get 15% off free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. MidwestSports.com, the promo code is CR15. By the way, I said our friends at Patreon. I mean our Cracked Rackets family, excuse me, all of you who support us on Patreon and allows us to do things like go broadcast the national indoors for the men and women and do the midnight pods and all of the various things we're able to do is because you all continue to support us. If you're interested in that, interested in rocking some Cracked Rackets gear, you can find it all on our website, CrackedRackets.com. With that in mind, just going to be me steering the ship today. I feel like it's been a while since I've gone Han Solo, and I kind of miss the idea. I miss the sound of my own voice. Only I could miss the sound of my own voice, but of course, somehow I do. I guess that's why I'm me. Nevertheless, I wanted to just talk about this Australian Open because this was the first day I really watched all four matches, got to watch them start to finish. Of course, I you know I have my watching methods, but uh, I feel like this was the first day because of all the college tennis going on that I've really gotten to immerse myself in into this Australian Open, and I have to say, barring that Barty Mukova match, which we'll get to, it does feel like we have the best players remaining across the board, and I know sometimes that, you know, that sounds like a really simple thing to say, well, you know, no best players are remaining, they're the ones left in the draw, but I think these are the players who are not only playing best, but when they play their best right now, would be the people who make this round of the event, I don't think it's been soft draws for any of these players, I don't think it's been, you know, pop circumstance that there's a lucky injury or withdrawal, and that's how these players made this round, I think, you know, these are the players who just simply put have been playing the best tennis on the court, even Aslan Karatsev. You look at the road he's taken to beat, you know, Schwartzman to beat FAA to beat even a banged up Dimitrov. That is not an easy path. He has played extraordinary tennis. And so, you know, it does feel like we have the correct people. Now, the big question is, 
you know, is the WTA all of a sudden predictable? That's the question I ask as we head into the semifinal round in our first match breakdown between Jennifer Brady and Jessica Pegula because these are two players you could have circled for success heading into the event. Pegula, quarterfinalist last year at the Western Southern Open, almost made, I think, the fourth round of the U.S. Open as well, played a great match against Kvitova that she just wasn't able to get over the hump in, but, you know, she was so good during World Team Tennis as well. You could just see the success brewing, and obviously for her, she comes out uh, guns blazing here at this Australian Open making uh, the quarterfinal round you look at what she was able to do along the way for Pegula in her first match obviously knocks off Vika she beats Fidelina in three sets in the fourth round uh, she's been playing some outstanding tennis and you know for her she has been I think now 16 and 8 in her last 52 weeks well you know Jen Brady is now 28 and 8 in her last 52 weeks you throw in the semifinal run she made in the warm up to this event before she lost 10-6 in a third set, two tie-break sets to Ann Lee. You look at what she's done this week. I suppose she has been the beneficiary of the soft draw, but her only set dropped was to Pegula. She beat Vekic in straights, Yuvan in straights, Brangle in straights, Balsova in straights, and you know she's ju- done it on the strength of her first serve. The lowest percentage she's won in terms of first serve points was 70% against Yuvan in the third round. She's exceeded 80, uh, or she's hit seven, exceeded 79% because she was 79 in four of the five matches. Again, that 70% was the aberration. Uh, was the aberration. Now she hasn't been great on the second second serve and her first serve percentage hasn't been great either it's vacillated from as low as 47% and she's had two sub 50% to as high as 61.7 but Jennifer Brady just has a gear that few other players can match. Her forehand is so heavy, and when she hits that plus one ball cross court, then down the line it opens up for her. Her backhand, she hits deep with spin as well. She can drive it. She can slice it. She moves well. It's a big forehand backswing, and Jessica Pagula did a really good job attacking it with pace in this match, and you look overall at the stats, uh, at the stats, excuse me, the stats, the stats, not the sets, the stats for the match. You know, Pegula hit, I think, 15 winners uh, against 32 unforced errors, and that's because she felt the pressure of that Brady forehand. And Jennifer Brady, 22 winners against 29 unforced errors in this match. What she does so well when she can play plus one tennis, only made 49% of the serves, but 31 of 38 on first serve points. I mean, when she gets that first serve in, she just, there was just nothing Jessica Pegula could do. And, you know, for Pegula, she did such a good job of taking her chances to attack Brady on the Brady second serve. Brady, 15 of 39 in those points. Pegula created 10 break chances for herself, only converted four of them. But, you know, that's just a credit to how well Jennifer Brady scraps her way out of trouble by making a first serve when she needs to, by hitting the aggressive shot when she needs to, and then she was able to apply, apply pressure on both the Pegula first and second serves. Pegula 56% win percentage on the first, 40% on the second. Again, she was forced into errors because of the pressure Brady was putting on her in rallies. And, you know, Pegula broke Brady to start the third set. It was This was a 4-6, uh, 6-2, 6-1 win for Brady and Pegula took an early break lead in the first Brady got it back but then handed it right back away with a double fault as well it's funny I think Pegula double faulted the second set away too or certainly a break in the second set uh but look I mean Pegula broke to start the first 
it uh, to start the third. It was such a physical game. She tracked down like six extra Brady shots on the break point, and you could just see it wearing on her legs. And Jennifer Brady, meanwhile, is just firing forehand after forehand, cross court, cross court, down the line, just with such depth and, you know, running around that backhand to hit the forehand inside out, and it just wore Pagula down over time. And Jess Pagula played a great match. She was right there, but it's a testament to Jen Brady, who second consecutive hardcore slam she makes a semifinal at. Uh, she is that good on the hardcore. She plays that big with her forehand. 22 winners, and it, it says 32 unforced errors. I can only ask how many forced errors she produced or caused for Pagula because, again, of how much pressure. And it's just such a dynamic ball as well. And you know, again, she's so decisive too down the line, cross court. She does it all. She takes her chances. She really misfired, and you look for her 29 unforced errors in total in the match for Jen Brady. 17 of those 29 came in the first set. It it was spray happy. Pagula made enough balls, and Jennifer Brady just didn't have a rhythm in the first. But once she found her rhythm, the match was in her control, and she ended up winning it in three. So a great performance for her. She now advances to take on Carolina Mukova. In the semifinals, Mukova, a winner over Ash Barty, and what has to be one of the funkiest matches I have seen, certainly in a Grand Slam quarterfinal, but at this slam in particular, uh, Mukova, a 1-6-6-3-6-2 win. I don't know what to say about this other than to say neither player played well, like, Ashley Barty didn't have to do much in the first set because Carolina Mukova kind of handed it to her. You look at the stats, Mukova in that first set, one winner against 13 unforced errors. She only made 44% of her first serve. She went 7 of 16 on service points. Barty, six winners against six unforced errors, made 50% of her first serves, but was 12 of, uh, excuse me, was 16 of 20 on her serve. I mean, I don't know how many rallies exceeded five balls. I can't imagine it was more than 10. Uh, there were just a lot of first ball errors, and the slices were, were throwing Mukova off, and she was pulling the triggers too soon, and Barty did a good job of opening up the court with the slice, then hitting the on-the-run cross-court forehand, taking time and space away from Mukova, but you know, Barty would also be spraying with her own forehand, and the backhand she was struggling to hit through with two hands, and she hit made a passing shot towards the end of the set, but that was really the only one she had made, and then you know, we got to the second set, and Barty continued to struggle on serve, only made 52% of her first serves in the set, and 54% in total, excuse me, I guess this is what happens when you talk so often as you get a little uh, acid reflex, but anyways, she made 54% of her first serves for the match, but Mukova's level started to pick up. She made 52% of her first serves, but went a crazy 21 of 31 on service points, 12 of 15 on second serve points. She started moving forward more, went 7 of 12 at the net, 8 winners against 9 unforced errors. Meanwhile, Barty continued to spray 8 winners against 19 unforced errors for Barty in the second set, and that was the story. You look at the final stat line, Barty, 21 winners against 37 unforced errors for Mukova, 17 winners against 33 unforced errors, but again, the uh, you know, 13 of the 33 unforced errors came in that first set. She really did steady the ship, but neither player found a rhythm. And again, it's a credit to Mukova, who, given neither player had a rhythm, whoever was the more aggressive of the two was going to win the match. That was Carolina Mukova, who was just slightly more successful on serve, slightly more successful on the break points, and just 
you know, again, was able to make that one extra ball, wasn't phased by the Barty slice, and kept moving the ball around the court, kept Ashley Barty on the run, and sometimes when you not have a rhythm, you kind of want to play on the run because you just don't think as much, and instinct takes over, but it was clear Ashley Barty was thinking the whole time, and, you know, there was a medical timeout, and Whatever, it was a little unkosher because Mukova wasn't exactly injured, but she still was a little banged up, and you're allowed to take a medical timeout. It was within the confines of the rules. Ashley Barty said as much in her post-match press conference, and ultimately Mukova outplayed her down the home stretch, made that extra ball. I'm sorry to sound so dismissive of Carolina Mukova's run. Carolina Mukova has been excellent here at this Australian Open. Wins now over Barty, Mertens, and Pliskova her last three matches. She's, you know, ma- managed to, I think... Uh, uh, save, let's see, she saved 20 of the 31 break points she faced in those three matches. She's uh, won over 60% of her second serve points in two out of the three matches. She's scrapped and clawed her way. She's won over uh, 50% of her second serve return points in all of the matches, over 30% of the first serve return points in all of the matches, but you know, this was an ugly match, and it's a credit for her. Half of tennis is winning ugly. On the days when you and your opponent don't have it, it's whoever can make that extra ball and problem solve. And she forced Barty to be on her back foot, and Barty didn't have the answer today. So, you know, for Carolina Mukova now, she's got a tough test against Jennifer Brady. Brady will have the firepower advantage, and if Mukova doesn't play aggressive tennis, doesn't go for her shots, because she is an excellent shot maker. She is comfortable going down the line, moving forward, and she can put some pressure on Brady put Brady on the back foot, but Brady's going to hit a heavier ball than Ashley Barney does, and Brady's going to put a little bit more pressure on Mukova with her serve and her plus one ball, and you know, it'll be a question to see how well does Mukova play. She'll need to play better than she did against Barty, given Jennifer Brady's level right now, but you know, Mukova's competed so well. That's the big takeaway for her, uh, and she did so again here to advance over Ashley Barty, and for Barty fans, it's just one, you know, considering she didn't play a single match during the 2020 season, she's looked outstanding to start the year, she's right back in the mix, right, as a Grand Slam contender, not like, oh, yeah, she'll be in the top 10, she'll compete some of these weeks, no, 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 every time Ashley Barty's in a tournament, you can expect her, or you can think she she is you can expect her to contend for the title that is what to say is you know she's always in the mix regardless of surface uh you know any we missed her in 2020 but certainly her tennis skills have not gone anywhere so you know it's one loss unfortunately would love to see an Australian woman play in front of a home crowd someday in that Australian final you know or not someday I would like to just see her do it strictly said but Unfortunately, I don't think this year is the year. Nevertheless, a uh, great result from Carolina Mukova to advance to her first Grand Slam semifinal. Now let's talk about the men a little bit and the place we have to start. The next gen are finally here, folks. I don't even have to say it anymore. I don't have to pitch it. I don't have to make a case. You just see the results at the Grand Slams, whether it's Daniil Medvedev or Alex Zverev or Stefano Tsitsipas. They're not just making fourth rounds. They're not just making quarterfinals. They're making semifinals, and now it's a guarantee one of them are going to be in the final, given it's Tsitsipas Medvedev in the bottom half of the draw. Tsitsipas coming back from two sets to love down. I believe the stat, he was like 233-1. and one. He's now 233-2 and two is Rafael Nadal after leading two sets to love. 
as Tsitsipas does not get broken in sets 3, 4, or 5, knocks off Rafael Nadal 3-6-2-6-7-6-6-4-7-5 to advance to his second career Australian Open semifinal. What a fantastic result this was for Tsitsipas. And look, he served well from the onset, but there's a stat from Tennis Abstract, and you know I noticed it when I was looking through the post-match stats. I tweeted out, Nadal won 35 total points in 24 Tsitsipas service games uh, during the course of the match. That has to be the worst in his career. Excuse me, 34 points in 25 service games. I asked our friends at Tennis Abstract, Jeff Sackman running the numbers. In over 300 career Grand Slam matches, only one other opponent has held Rafa to below 25%. It was Djokovic in the 2019 Australian Open final. Other than that, Tsitsipas had the best serving performance of Nadal in any of the 300-plus Grand Slam matches he has played in his career. And look, some of that has to do with the fact that Nadal was diminished physically as this match wore down, and it's because... Tsitsipas forced him to expend so much energy throughout the course of the match in each and every point. Tsitsipas is known for his attacking game style, the big serve, the big forehand, his desire to move forward, hit through his backhand as opposed to slicing it. But, you know, he's a really good athlete as well. He's strong, he's fluid, he can, you know, slide around the court. Great first step in. He did a great job of handling the heaviness of the Nadal ground strokes. He did a great job of extending every rally an extra shot of not being afraid to hit to Rafa's forehand and exchange his one-handed backhand, hit through that ball to the Nadal forehand, and it just slowly wore Rafa down. And, you know, for Tsitsipas, again, he was so good on serve throughout this match, so aggressive moving forward, 23 of 31 at the net. He hit 49 winners against 38 unforced errors in this match. He, you know, the one break time he got broken in the first set, it was because he he tried, it was 30-all, he tried to serve in volley. Rafa got, or, you know, I think he was up 30-15. Rafa, or he was up 30-love. Rafa hit a, unbelievable backhand cross-court return for a winner. Then the 30-all point, Tsitsipas tried to serve in volley. Rafa hit that same pass, got it low at the feet. Tsitsipas missed the half volley. At 30-40, he gets a plus-one inside-in forehand that he made 90% of the time in this match. This one missed in the net. He got broken. It was a good break. You know, Tsitsipas made the right mistakes. He just made mistakes. Second set, Rafa broke him from the start. Rafa kind of wore him down physically, 6-2, whatever. But then Tsitsipas held with him throughout the course of that third set. And, you know, he goes down a mini break, one love to start that third set breaker. But then, you know, slowly works his way back. And Rafa played a really bad breaker. We saw three or four uncharacteristic, unforced errors throughout the course of that breaker. And I think those were due to the fact that Tsitsipas made him think a little bit. Tsitsipas physically was clearly just as fresh as he had been at the start of set one. And Rafa wasn't. And, you know, Tsitsipas kept driving through that backhand, kept hitting that forehand cross court, kept trying to, you know, bait Rafa into attacking his forehand so that he could hit cross court and attack the Rafa backhand, make Rafa hit a backhand on the run. And, you know, Tsitsipas also wasn't afraid of attacking Rafa's forehand. He wasn't afraid of approaching to that side, of keeping Rafa honest and, you know, not letting him cheat forward. And then I thought he did a really good job of changing his spots on the serve as the match went on. Rafa, obviously the lefty, you want to serve to the Rafa backhand, but as sets 3, 4, 5 carried on, Tsitsipas started serving to the Rafa forehand, going T, going wide on the ad side to set up the plus 1 forehand. 
it was just a really smart game plan and really well executed from CT Pass from start to finish. And now the belief is there, right? He takes Djokovic to five sets in the French Open semifinal. He had Chorich up so big on him at the U.S. Open. And, you know, this is not, excuse me, the first time he's made the semifinals here at the Australian Open. This is not the first time he's beaten, you know, a Rafa or a Federer at this stage of an event. And he just outplayed Rafa in this match. And it's not often you say Rafa gets outplayed at a Grand Slam court, in a Grand Slam quarterfinal, but that's what Tsitsipas did. And now the belief is there. And look, he's going to have a battle on his hand in the next round in Daniil Medvedev. But this was incredible from Tsitsipas because Rafa played a really good match. Rafa hit 58 winners against 42 unforced errors. He's found, you know, we've talked about this before, but, you know, there's Rafa 1.0 where he was just this freak athlete who's wearing capris and running everything down. And, yeah, the forehand and the backhand hang a little bit on the court, but he's just such a dynamic athlete that he makes it work. And then there's Rafa 2.0, which is when the muscles caught up to the boyish athleticism and he's just a physical the gazelle and he's winning everything and he's doing it on grass as well. And it's just just crazy. And then there's Rafa 3.0, right? Who's just kind of in, in it's kind of the nexus of everything where his athleticism still works, his, you know, his strength is now there and then the shot selection, the experience is there as well. Well, now we've entered Rafa 4.0, which is aggressive Rafa, which is Rafa who plays plus one tennis, looks to move forward, mixes in the servant volleys on the hard court and the grass and just will shorten points as matches go on. And look, he was 21 of 25 at the net. He won 78% of his first serve points, 58% of his second serve points, made 68% of his first serves, 15 aces against two double faults. Tsitsipas, by the way, 17 aces against no double faults. Now, you know, from an eye test standpoint, if you watch this match and it's not reflected in the stats, you could see his movement diminished as the match went on. And that is something Rafa 1.0, 2.0, in the early stages of 3.0 would have never had happen to him. But he's also not that young anymore. He's, what, 30, 40 years old. And so it's not fair to expect him to move like a 25-year-old. That being said, he played outstanding. And Tsitsipas just outplayed him down the home stretch. It's a testament and a credit to Tsitsipas more than anything against Rafael Nadal. That's why Tsitsipas advances to the semifinals, where he is going to face... An informed, perhaps the most informed player in men's tennis right now, in Daniil Medvedev. Medvedev, another straight set win over Andre Rublev. Excuse me, he has yet to drop a set in his four or now five career head-to-head matches, all on hard courts against Rublev. On this occasion, seven five six three six two. And look, I've just, I've never seen anyone. Be so successful at parking the bus, attacking the Andre Rublev backhand relentlessly, and just preventing him from hitting forehands as Daniil Medvedev. And Medvedev sometimes is someone who likes to play with his food. We've talked about it before. A guy who can do so many things on the court, what exactly does he want to do in each and every match? Is it hit big first serves and try and move forward? Is it play plus one tennis? Is it be a counter puncher? Is it be a chameleon and just kind of reflect everything and re- re- uh, be a mirror and to everything your opponent is doing? But in this match, it was a clear game plan from the start. Serve to the backhand, 
attack the backhand at all costs, drive the ball to the backhand, no slices unless you're absolutely on the stretch. Everything's got to be drive, take time away from Rublev, you know, bait him into trying to step around that backhand and hit an inside out forehand just and only when he's doing that do you go down the line and attack the forehand. That being said, keep him honest when it's clear he is trying to cheat over in the spaces there. Do attack the forehand and it's just, I mean, they grew up together so it's so clear Medvedev knows exactly how to attack Rublev but he executed it flawlessly and in this match, you know, Medvedev made 60% of his first serves won 80% of those points, 53% of his second serve points was only broken once in the match, 30 winners against 33 unforced errors was just the steadier of the two while Rublev, 47% on the first serve percentage, 20 winners against 39 unforced errors, Medvedev got in his head, he just, he started overthinking. You start thinking, all right, I'm, I'm going to outplay Daniil Medvedev with my backhand. I'm not going to try and run around it and try and find forehands. I am going to just say, okay, you think you can beat me like this? You can't. And the answer was Daniil Medvedev could. And just for Rublev, he, you know, when he could find plus one forehands, it was only when he landed a first serve or when he really wanted to just gun it because it was one of those times where he was like, you know what, I really haven't done it in a while and I really need to work my forehand back in. But he just wasn't aggressive enough in finding it. And it was a credit to Daniil Medvedev who kept him uncomfortable throughout the course of the match. And Look, it's just me talking. If I go too deep into each and every one of these matches, I still want to talk about the semifinals a little bit. This pod will go 45 minutes. So I'll just say Medvedev executed his game plan flawlessly. I think that was his 19th straight victory. And I think he is the prohibitive, not prohibitive, but certainly the favorite entering the semifinal against CT Paz because three out of five sets on a hard court. I don't know how you beat Daniil Medvedev. The guy just, it, it, it's Djokovician in just the way he attacks you. He's relentless. He takes everything you want to do and does it against you. Uh, and he just executes his game plans flawlessly. And he's got the length. He's got the speed. He's got the big serve. Uh, it just works. And we've been saying that for a while now. But another match where that manifests itself. But... With that in mind, let's talk quickly about the semifinals, and I previewed them a little bit on our GSP Ace of the Day. If you haven't, go check those out. We are, I think, still like, we're like 24 and 26 overall in our record, but we're actually up 18 units on the year, so... You know, that the math checks out. It's all things working out. So if you want to get in on the action, go check out that ace of the day. But in terms of our semifinals, we've got three. Osaka versus Serena, the headliner. Osaka, 19-0 in her last 52 matches. So she's riding a 19-match winning streak, of course. She didn't play that final at the Western and Southern Open, but makes the final there. Wins the U.S. Open. uh, Withdraws from her semifinal match in the warm-up, but won her three warm-up matches there. And now finds herself here in the semifinals against Serena Williams. Serena, 17-3 in her last 52. Her loss is coming to Shelby Rogers in Lexington. Maria Sakari at the Western Southern Open as a Ranka uh, at the U.S. Open. Of course, she withdrew from Roland Garros, withdrew from uh, the warm-up tournament in Australia. Look, Serena's played outstanding tennis. The calling card for her, her first serve here at this Australian Open. She's won at least 76.6% of her first serve points in each and every one of her matches. Now, she's been under 40% in on her second serve points in three of her five wins, and she's been under 60% in her first serve percentage in four of her five matches. I think that's the big number to watch if as she plays 
Naomi Osaka because in her one win against Osaka, she made over 60% of her first serve. She was at 61.9%. She won 82.1% of those first serve points. Now, she was only 45.8% on the second serve points in that match, but she needs her first serve to land against Osaka because Osaka's got too big of weapons with her own serve and the plus one tennis she can play and then her forehand, her backhand, where if she can take control of the point from Serena, she can move Serena around the court. She can make Serena play on her back foot, which is not where Serena Williams wants to be. And I just think Naomi Osaka's played so well of late. I mean, she has still, you look at her numbers, uh, she has really yet to find her rhythm on her first serve, and yet she's been, you know, she won 92% of her first serve points against Suwei C. She's been over 80% in three of her five matches. Her, You know, she's uh, been over 50% on her second serve in four of her five matches. She's been serving so well, and so I think she is going to have plenty of success holding serve against Serena. The question being, can either of them manage to break the other serve I lean towards Osaka can. I'm, I I mean, there's going to be a break probably both ways, but I just lean Osaka. I think she's the better player right now between the two, and you don't say that lightly when someone's facing Serena Williams, particularly this late in a Grand Slam, but Naomi Osaka has beaten her this late in a Grand Slam before. We all remember that 2018 U.S. Open final. It is a delight to see them play again at a Grand Slam in this stage, but... <clears throat> Give me Naomi Osaka, excuse me, to win this match in three sets. In terms of your other semifinal, Mukova versus Brady. It's their second career head-to-head matchup. Mukova beat Brady in Prague on the clay, 7-6 in the third back in 2019. Look, Mukova's had the better wins in her road to this round, but Jennifer Brady's got the bigger weapons. The first serve, the forehand are the two biggest weapons on the court. They both belong to Jennifer Brady. Mukova's going to be able to take it to Brady. She's going to move forward. She's going to put Brady on her back foot. She's going to go down the line, take direction, take chances. But I just think Brady's serving forehand. Again, if she plays well, this match is on her racket. I lean towards her in straight sets. I do think, you know, again, there's going to be nerves for both of them. Neither of them have advanced to a Grand Slam final before. It's very, very much in the realm of possibility for both of them. But, you know, Brady was just in this round at the U.S. Open, you know, six months ago, and she took Naomi Osaka two, three sets. And I just think she she has played better and better as this tournament has gone along. She found her form in the second and third sets against Jessica Pagula yesterday, and I think she takes this match. I think she's got the bigger weapons. I think her serve overwhelms Carolina Mukova, and then the second serve hangs up there enough for Brady to get enough chances to attack. Give me Jennifer Brady to advance to her first Grand Slam final. What a transition that will be, by the way, for Jennifer Brady. Three singles for UCLA to now Grand Slam, two-time Grand Slam singles semifinalist. What a run for her. The last match, Karatsev versus Djokovic. Look, Karatsev's been incredible, right? Wins over Schwartzman, FAA, and Dimitrov. In his past three rounds, he's dropped three total sets in those three rounds. Djokovic has struggled at times throughout this event. He went, you know, four sets with Tiafo, five sets with Fritz, four sets with Ranich, four sets, two of them tie breaks with Zverev. The good news for Djokovic, he gets two days off after today's match if he wins it, and then you know he can rest up for either Medvedev or Tsitsipas, and he'll need both of those days, believe me. But 
there's no way Novak Djokovic woke up today and didn't think to myself himself, wow, I've got Karatsev in the semifinals. I've got the chance to make another final. I cannot let this go to waste, particularly after I let that U.S. Open go to waste. I just think Djokovic cruises today. I think he wins the match in straight sets. Now, Karatsev has been so good over his last 52 weeks. You look at what he's done, you know, four different challenger finals, two challenger titles, 37-7 and seven overall. He's done it on clay. He's done it on hard courts. As good as Dimitrov, FAA, and Schwartzman all are, he's yet to face the Djokovic monster. And I just think... Djokovic is going to take, you know, Djokovic is going to neutralize that first serve, and Karatsev has the gumption, he's got the confidence right now to, you know, go for his shots, and you have to go for broke. The way to beat Novak Djokovic, shockingly, is to hit through him, and there's only like four people in history who can do that, Del Potro, you know, uh, Stan Wawrinka, and Roger Federer, but... You know, Karatsev isn't in that class, but he's certainly as confident as any of those guys are right now, given the the high he is riding. And so, you know, Karatsev's going to battle. I think Djokovic advances in straight sets. I think, sadly, this is where his run comes to an end. But again, we have outstanding matches throughout the day, uh, throughout the night in Australia, and then we've got the 500 going on, the Challengers, which we'll recap later on. Right now, we're going to stay Australia-focused. Of course, if you have missed any of the action, you can catch up on everything by going to our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at GreatShotPod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fleeter and Daniel Westoff for the of any job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. But with that in mind, for my super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.